Good morning, Calvary Gospel Assembly. Uh, this is Pastor David Hovinga coming from Calvary Gospel Assembly in Esterville, Iowa. Hey, uh, I was reminded this last week that sometimes what we need during these very strange times that we live in is uh, a little bit of comfort and a little bit of uh, remembering what we're used to and how that can be really uh, a good thing for those who are out there, those who are maybe hunkered down right now with their families, or maybe you're alone, and you just need you just need a little piece of normal. You need a little piece of comfort. And so this morning, I pray that today is a blessing for you. I pray that it's a blessing if you spend it with your families, even if you're alone. I pray that the Lord would be a comfort and a peace to you. So before we get started in the Word this morning, let's go before Him in prayer. Lord, I thank you again that we have the technology to be able to reach people beyond ourselves. Lord, just beyond those who can be in a building, but those who can listen on Facebook and YouTube. Lord, I pray over this nation. Lord, I pray over this, this world. As we are still going through this pandemic, Lord, I pray that you would give wisdom to our leadership, that you would give wisdom to our president. Lord, I pray that our president would be led by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that our leadership, our governor, would be led by you. Lord, I pray over the, the leaders around the world that are struggling, that are trying to figure out what do we do moving forward. Lord, I pray it's done with wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would give them grace. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that God is a sovereign God. We talked about this last week that God is God and I am not. And so we know that God has things in control. God has a, God, God knows what's going on and God is watching over us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. This morning, it's Easter morning. God bless you. Welcome. Uh, I'm so glad that you can join us this morning. It is Resurrection Sunday. We know it's not just about Easter bunnies and, and, and eggs and all those fun things, but it is about the risen Christ this morning. Um, again, thank you for uh, watching these videos. I know uh, I'm not the most uh, comfortable with it, but I'm glad that I can that uh, I can join you somehow in your living rooms with your families. This morning, we're going to start with John chapter 19, verse 16 through 30. It's quite a long scripture, but I want you to stay with me. It says this, And so they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write King of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the King of the Jews. And Pilate answered, saying, I, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his garments and they divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, 
let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. And this was to fulfill scripture that said, they divided my garments among them for my clothing, they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus, listen to this carefully, were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas. And then there was another Mary, Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, that would be John, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Verse 28 says this. After this, knowing that all was now finished, Jesus said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And a jar of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. This is what we are all so familiar with. We're familiar with this, the crucifixion of our master, right? We're so familiar. It's a fulfillment of the prophecy of the Old Testament. It says this in Isaiah 53, four through five. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And listen to this carefully. By his stripes, we are healed. Joni Erickson Tata, in describing the crucifixion, said this. I like this a lot. She said this. The Trinity had planned it. The Son endured it. The Spirit enabled him. The Father rejected the Son whom he loved. Jesus, the God-man from Nazareth, perished. The father accepted his sacrifice for sin and was satisfied. The rescue was accomplished. I think if you were at, uh, if you're watching this at home, this would be a place where I would say amen and everybody would say amen. So the rescue was accomplished. When we think about the death of Jesus, when we think about the cross, it's not something that we should just gloss over. It's not something that we should just quickly move on from. And let's just get past that and get to the, get to the good part, get to the resurrection Sunday. John Stott said this, it wasn't just something done for us, it was something done by us. Our sin took him there and his love sent him there. We shouldn't just quickly gloss over the cross or the crucifixion. We should stay on it for a little bit. We should gaze upon it for a little bit. Right behind me is the cross. It's our depiction here at Calvary Gospel Assembly of the cross. And, and we have the nails and the wood. And this cross is such a, a mighty emblem of what Jesus did for us. He didn't just, it, it wasn't just something done for us, right? It's for not just me, it's not just you, it's for everybody. For everybody to make that decision to come to Christ. It wasn't just something done for us, it was something done by us. Our sin took him there and his love sent him there. When I think about the cross, 
I can't help but think about those who were there that day. Specifically, I'm drawn toward the woman who was called Mary Magdalene. Hers is a history filled with drama. When we think about Mary Magdalene, uh, she is described in Luke 8 as a woman who seven demons had gone out of. Seven demons. We don't know much about her other than that she is described as a sinner. The truth is we can only speculate about what her past is, but I'm sure we can be sure that it was shameful. We can be sure that it was shameful because of our own past. How many remember what you were like before Christ? How many remember your past before Christ and how shameful it was? The reason I'm drawn to her specifically has to do not with the crucifixion, but where we find her just three days later. We find her in John chapter 20. We start in verse 1. It says this. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the tomb had been taken away from the tomb, that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Verse 2 says, so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, that one who Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb, and both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came and followed him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. Verse 8 says, Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. Verse 9, For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. They did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Verse 10 says, then the disciples went back to their homes. Before we move on from there, I want you to think about this for a second. Mary was a woman with a past. We don't know much about her, right? We, we only know that she was a sinful woman. She was drawn to the ministry of Jesus and became a follower of Christ. She recognized the worth of Christ. If you remember the story of Mary pouring the, the oil, the alabaster box, right? She, she took this expensive oil and anointed his feet with it and, and wiped, it with, wiped it with her hair. So she postured herself in, in humility and servanthood and worship. She, as well as a, a, woman, a woman named Joanna and a woman named Susanna, the Bible says that they helped support the needs of Christ and the disciples. So there's a lot of speculation. Uh, theologians would say that she was probably independently wealthy. And so it was her who helped support Jesus, who had seven demons cast out of her, who, who poured oil upon his feet, who wiped it with her hair, who had this, had this, uh, had this posture of worship and servanthood. It was she who was there with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and she's there at the cross as he hangs his head and dies. And you can imagine that when, when Jesus dies, the, the devastation in her life. 
Just a few days later, we see her in verse 20 and or chapter 20 and verse 1, and she's walking toward the tomb. It's likely that her eyes were red from tears. That her eyes were red. She'd been crying and devastated. It's likely that her cheeks were wet as she's walking up toward the tomb where Christ had been laid. It's interesting that she was probably maybe 100, maybe 50 yards away. She begins to notice that the tomb has been tampered with. It doesn't look the same way as it did just a few days earlier. It doesn't look the same way as it did probably just a day earlier. Because now we know the stone had been rolled away, right? And so we rejoice that the stones rolled away, that the tomb is empty. The thing is this, Mary didn't know that yet. All Mary saw was that the stone was rolled away. And so it's likely she drops whatever she has and she runs to Peter. She runs to Peter and John is there. She says, hey, listen, somebody is messed with the tomb. Somebody has messed, somebody's rolled the stone away. And so they start running and they get there and they look. John doesn't go in quite yet, but Peter does. Peter looks and sees there's nothing there. It's just his linens. It's his face cloth. John says he believed, but the, the Bible tells us in verse 9 that they, they didn't understand the scriptures quite yet. Didn't understand the scriptures quite yet. So they see the empty tomb and the Bible says they head back to their homes. And the reason that I'm so focused on Mary is because when they head back to their homes, Mary is still there. Mary is at the tomb. She's alone and again she starts weeping. I don't know if you've ever been at a place in your life where you just couldn't stop crying. Whether it was because of mourning a loved one or because of some tragedy in your life and you just, just the, the tears just won't stop streaming. She's devastated. Mary is devastated. She's weeping. She's, she stoops down and she looks inside the tomb. And as she does, what before was an empty tomb is now no longer empty. In fact, the Bible says there's two angels inside sitting where Jesus had been laid. And then in verse 13, they speak to her. And this is what it says. It says, they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but did not know that it was him. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, Mary said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. I can't help but absolutely love how Jesus plays this out. 
I really do. I mean, she must have, she must have been crying and weeping and she sees the angels and they say, why are you weeping? And then all of a sudden she hears a voice behind her. When she hears the voice behind her, she probably just turns for a moment. You know, if, if you're, if you're deep in depression and, and, and crying, she probably hears somebody and she probably turns quickly and maybe just sees the outline of a figure behind her. The figure, the figure behind her says, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? She sees the figure of a man and she assumes him to be the gardener. And so with depression and desperation and pain in her voice, she pleads with him and says, if you know where he is, tell me. Please, if you know where he is, if, if you took him, tell me, I will, I will take him away. And then this happens in verse 16. I love this part. Jesus said to her, Mary. Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. Verse 17, Jesus said, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. I love that when Jesus calls her name, only then does she recognize him. I love that she's in this place of darkness and desperation. But when Jesus calls her name and says, Mary, it's then that she recognizes him. It's then she, she turns around in disbelief and it's likely that she sees him and she wants to run to him and, and wrap her arms around him and give him a big hug and say, Master, teacher, I can't believe it's you. <laughs> it's likely Jesus had to take a step back and go, easy, Mary. Not yet. I have not yet ascended to the Father. Don't, don't cling to me just yet. The reveal is fantastic. Just a few moments earlier, Mary is weeping. She's in mourning, but now she's weeping in joy. Now, now she's weeping because what was once dead is now alive. Amen? I think about what was once dead is now alive. What was once her shame is now forgiven. What was once our sin is now redeemed. The Bible says that we moved from sinfulness to righteousness when we call upon Jesus as our Savior. This Easter morning, this Resurrection Sunday, I don't know who's watching this. You may have a relationship with Christ, and you might not. You might have a relationship with Jesus that goes on for years and years, and and you're in a right relationship and you're living in righteousness and that's awesome. I'm so glad. But maybe, just maybe you're watching this today and you're thinking, I've never asked Jesus into my heart. Or I've asked Jesus into my heart, but I haven't been living for him. I want to make you aware of something this morning. It's not just by accident that you're watching this video. It's not just by happenstance that you somehow tuned in to this video. 
I believe it is a God appointment, a, a divine appointment is what we would say. That God is speaking to you right now through YouTube or Facebook or however you're watching this and pleading with you saying, son, daughter, I love you. I believe that he is calling your name this morning and saying, make things right. Choose me. I want to forgive you. I want to live in righteousness with you. If that's you this morning, if, if, if you say, Pastor David, I just, I've never even accepted Jesus as my savior, or I have, but I need, I need to make things right. If that's you, I just want you to say this little prayer with me. If that's you, I just want you to say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I need a savior. I believe that you lived, that you died, and that you rose again. I need you. I need you to cleanse my sins. I need you to wash me clean. Lord, thank you for cleansing me. Lord, thank you for your blood that washes me white as snow. Help me to grow, help me to thrive, help me to get connected with a good church that preaches the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know uh, if any of you prayed that this morning. I, have, I am believing that somebody prayed that. I'm believing that more than just somebody, but a few people prayed that this morning. If that's you, uh, you can uh, reach out to us here at Calvary Gospel Assembly in Esterville, Iowa. You can reach out through our Facebook page, through YouTube. Uh, I look at the comments. Uh, we, you can reach out to us in a number of ways. Or if you're living somewhere not near Esterville, Iowa, and you need to find a good church, uh, give me a call. I'll help direct you towards one. So uh, <laughs> go ahead and call uh, Calvary Gospel Assembly in Esterville, Iowa, and uh, we'll connect you with a good church no matter where you are. With that said, I hope and pray that you all have an amazing Easter that you have an awesome Resurrection Sunday. I really do. I pray that this week has been a great week for you. Uh, in Iowa right now, uh, if the weather forecast is correct, as I'm preaching this message to you, it's probably snowing outside, uh, probably <laughs> somewhere they're saying three to five inches. So that'll be a lot of fun. But uh, hey, as we're all hunkered down together, and as we're all trying to figure out what the next steps are for uh, restarting this nation and the economy and all the th different things that go along with that. I would just pray that God would give you comfort, that God would give you peace. I would remind you to be in prayer for our leadership, for the leadership of not just our country, but for your city. Uh, I think about our mayor, Joseph May. I think about those who are on the city council, those who are in leadership for Emmett County, those who are with the Emmett County or the uh, Iowa uh, Health Board, and of course our governor, and of course our president, President Donald Trump. Uh, if you would be keeping those people in prayer, and I would ask that you keep me in prayer as well. Uh, just as I keep you in prayer, I ask that you keep me in prayer and my family uh, as we navigate this road that we call uh, church in an era where we can't meet personally, but we can connect through Facebook and YouTube. So God bless you. Uh, we love you. 
Uh, before you leave, let me just say a prayer of blessing over you. Lord, I thank you for those who have listened today. Lord, I thank you for those who are watching over Facebook and YouTube. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, I pray that you would give them rest in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a fantastic Easter with your family, and we'll see you.